Catholic Leadership for Civil Society, an intentional community of Catholic leaders. Stay with us and allow us to share with you a vision handed to us by the Second Vatican Council to help advance the mission of the Church. It all boils down to one idea, and it is engaging society as civic leaders. My name is Christopher Pereira. I'm your host. My co-host, Erin Morin, is also in the room. Hi, Erin. Hi, Christopher, and hello, everyone. Before we start, if you haven't already, please take the time now to ping five people, five Catholic professionals that you know and follow in Clubhouse. Uh, when you do this, not only will they be invited, but their friends will be notified and attracted to the room as well. Thank you so much for that, Erin. And everyone, uh, today's topic is one that is very close and dear to my heart. Um, it's it's uh, within the overarching theme of Catholic leadership for civil society. That's the mission. That's the message. That's what we do here every Thursday, every Thursday from 9 a.m. 9 to 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. Uh, but we focus on different areas. And in the past, we had, uh, I think, uh, perhaps a few episodes, a few meetings that we discussed the feminine genius, what it means to be a, a Catholic woman. Well, the topic of today is titled, um, today's uh, meeting session episode is called Into the Bridge. And it, it really follows uh, after the document, the apostolic exhortation from uh, our bishop, my bishop, and Aaron's bishop, uh, his name is Bishop Thomas Olmsted, the Bishop of Phoenix, who a few years uh, back wrote a wonderful document addressed to men, and particularly to the men of his diocese. But that message really resonated with men around the world. The, the, the document, if you are not aware of it, Into the Breach, or Firme en la Brecha in Spanish, really has gone around the world, has been translated, I, I lost count, but maybe into seven or nine languages. The last one I heard of was Polish. The Knights of Columbus at the national level as, as an organization adopted the document and began using it to fund uh, new chapters all over the United States and outside the United States, including Poland. That's the story that I was uh, aware of. Uh, so. What is the, the, the topic of the document? We're going to dive into that. But uh, first, I want uh, to ask if each one of you uh, to please go into my bio and Erin's bio. And, and each one of our bios contains a link to our Telegram group. We have a Telegram group uh, that's, uh, that's part of what we do here at Catholic Leadership for Civil Society and where we can share content, videos, resources, links. And we share every week a beautiful image that has to do with the topic of the week and we call it the image of the week if you go there you will find on our telegram group you will find uh, a beautiful painting by bartolome esteban murillo who lived in the 1600s and this painting is titled as the image suggests saint joseph and the christ child and it's a beautiful painting of saint joseph very fitting as, as we are in the year of saint joseph and we have already been sharing some beautiful paintings of the, of the Holy Family. Well, um, this painting suggests precisely what it is that is lost today in society and what the document uh, written by Bishop Olmsted and the discussion today really will undertake, which is that rupture, that, that rupture that there has been in the passing on of true authentic masculinity and, and, and more importantly, Christian 
masculinity, that which is modeled after the ultimate model of, uh, of, uh, for all men, and that is Christ himself. Uh, of course, we see St. Joseph and, and we, we see uh, the Christ child, and we can already picture and we're all very aware of how St. Joseph was able to uh, transmit to, to Jesus uh, at least his humanity and, 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 and everything that all the good that he had to give as a father, right? We know that he taught Jesus the trade the trade that, that Jesus then uh, uh, took over once he became a man and he worked with St. Joseph at his workshop. And we know, and we can only imagine because St. Joseph is very silent in the scriptures, how many lessons St. Joseph passed on to Jesus. And, and we know, of course, that Jesus became a, an extraordinary man. And, and that, of course, is because he's also divine, but, he's all, but at the same time, he's human. And he did receive a lot from his uh from his father on earth which was saint joseph and and that's that is the image of the week saint joseph and the christ christ child and i also shared in our telegram group a direct link to the document the document itself for all of you men who are joining the room and that is uh, alex manu brian carlos jerry andrew and paul if you haven't read the document we highly encourage you to go to that link which is in our telegram group and read it, not now, but uh, you can pull it out now for reference, but at some point we highly encourage you to read it. I'm going to read just two paragraphs from the document, from, from the beginning of the document, so that you can see sort of the, the tone and, the, and, and, and what Bishop Olmsted really is trying to get at with Into the Bridge. So here it goes. It says, I began this letter with a clarion call and clear charge to you, my sons and brothers in Christ. Men, do not hesitate to engage in the battle that is raging around you, the battle that is wounding our children and families, the battle that is distorting the dignity of both women and men. This battle is often hidden, but the battle is real. It is primarily spiritual, but is progressively killing the remaining Christian ethos in our society and culture, and even in our homes. The world is under attack by Satan, as our Lord said it will be. This battle is occurring in the church herself, and the devastation is all too evident. Two paragraphs down, it says, one of the key reasons that the church is faltering under the attacks of Satan is that many Catholic men have not been willing to step into the breach to fill this gap that lies open and vulnerable to further attack. A large number have left the faith and many who remain Catholic practice the faith timidly and are only minimally committed to passing the faith on to their children. Recent research shows that large numbers of young Catholic men are leaving the faith to become nuns, men who have no religious affiliation. The growing losses of young Catholic men will have a devastating impact on the church in America and in the coming decades as older men pass away and young men fail to remain and marry in the church, accelerating the losses that have already occurred. So that's all I'm going to read in terms of uh, quotes from the document itself. But uh, further down below in, in the introduction, Bishop explains that this exhortation is about to address three primary questions. And I would like 
us to center around uh, these questions, focus on these questions as we start our discussion today. And these are the three questions that the document explores. And Bishop Onset provides uh, beautiful answers and wisdom to these questions. What does it mean to be a Christian man? What does it mean? The second question is, how does a Catholic man love? What is the proper way for a Catholic, a Christian man to love? And why is fatherhood fully understood so crucial for every man? Why is fatherhood fully under understood so crucial for every man? So at this point, we're going to invite everyone, anyone to jump onto the station and join the conversation if you feel moved to. But I'm going to start by telling you, there, there's so much I could say about this. I was part of the, of the team, and this really, you know, after... After Christ in the Eucharist and, 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 and the way that I can experience him through the sacraments, I think that my experience with uh, joining the team that advised Bishop Olmsted in the writing of this document was the highlight of my Catholic life, I have to say. Uh, it, it, was, it was really an honor and a privilege. But I was part of a team that was gathered by Bishop Olmsted uh, in a series of meetings to just discuss, these were just long discussions and 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 brainstorming sessions where Bishop Holmes, believe it or not, he was taking lots of notes. He was just posting questions and listening to all of us gathering around him, uh, uh, a room full of uh, people who were much, much wiser than me. So I wasn't sure what I was doing there, but uh, Bishop Olmsted was uh, taking notes and then he, he took his time to write this document, this beautiful document. And, and he posted these three questions that he then offered beautiful answers to. Again, what does it mean to be a Christian man? How does a Catholic man love? And why is fatherhood fully understood so crucial for every man? The document then was promulgated in uh, 2015. It was actually the Feast of the Archangels, I remember. And and it, it was it, it really... To this day, it still has this effect that has created this movement of men in the Diocese of Phoenix, in the United States, and around the, 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 the world, Catholic men who are taking on, on their responsibilities and vocation as husbands and fathers a little more seriously, right? It was promulgated on the Feast of the Archangels in September 29 of 2015. And, and, but one thing that I can say about this document is that it really touched me in profound ways because it, the document focuses to a great extent on fatherhood, fatherhood. And I am a father, I'm a father of four, but nobody taught me how to be a father. And everybody can say, I know that even the most beautiful uh, families that come from, from beautiful families themselves, they say, well, nobody, nobody's giving a manual on how to, how to be a father or a, or a parent. But, However, however, yes, that is true. However, those who are blessed with having a, a wonderful Christian household and, and being brought up by, by good parents really are taught how to be parents simply by the example, simply by the experience that they live. They are not given a manual, but they have lots of, lots of experience simply by uh, uh, going into their memory and remembering all the beautiful lessons 
that were given to themselves by their parents. This was not my experience. This was not my experience. My, my own father left me when I was three years old. He, uh, he's still missing in action. And, and, and we heard from him occasionally in mysterious ways, but uh, he just simply was not a presence in my life. And, and then my, um, unfortunately, my, my mother um, replaced the, the void that he left with other men, with a, with a succession of men. I think um, I really lost track. I think it was five or six, uh, if, I, <laughs> if, if I am uh, correct. And um, so there was never really a, a real role model in my own life of what fatherhood was, or, or much less what, what uh, a Christian man is supposed to be. So I learned by messing up, by making a lot of mistakes. And, and the document, this document talks about something very interesting. Bishop Olmsted uses the, the fictional character of James Bond. Believe it or not, James Bond <laughs> is talked about in the document. And he talks about the ultimate, the ultimate irony that James Bond is, uh, is a 40-year-old without any bonds. See, he doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have a spouse. He doesn't have any children. He doesn't have any true responsibility. So he's a big boy. He's a big baby. He's, he's, just, he's all about the adventure and the thrill and the excitement and zero responsibility. And, but, but the irony, and, and perhaps, perhaps more so in Bishop Olmsted's own generation and a little bit in mine, uh, James Bond was a role model or somebody that a fictional character that many men aspire to, to be like, right? Because they thought that was the ultimate, uh, the man's man. Um, however, it clearly is not in terms of what a Christian man should be. And so, so what is, where do we find the ultimate model for Catholic men? Obviously in Christ. Christ himself was the perfect model for all human beings, men and women, but certainly for men. And, and we can find the ultimate model of manhood in him. And that's the only place where I have found him myself because like i said i never had really had a model and and whatever jesus did he did it the right way right i mean i often uh, use this example i talk to my children about uh alcohol for example and i tell them because i, I drink a beer i drink i love to drink wine and i tell them listen there's nothing wrong with with alcohol our lord himself loved wine and and he showed us how to do it how to do it right Right, without abusing, without accessing, uh, exceeding uh, his limits, and and he set an example for us in every other aspect of our lives, for all humanity, and particularly for men, certainly for men, uh, we we can use him as our role model. So anyway, at this point, I've talked more than I wanted to to begin the conversation. But Aaron, I know that from your and from your perspective, you have a a, a husband. And, and you have a father, and there are wonderful men in your life, uh, I'm sure. I know that this document also uh, touches you or impacts you in, 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 in very different ways than, that, impacts, that it impacts me. But I'd love to hear your thoughts, Erin. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Christopher. Um, I, this is such a great topic for women to be a part of. I'll just say that. Um, and I am really happy to see it's like 50% women and 50% men in this room today. So that's really cool. Um, so thank you, ladies, for being here. I hope you'll also be able to share your comments with us later. But yeah, I mean, I... I haven't read this whole exhortation, but I've read parts of it over the years um, since it was published. And of course, today I was doing a little refresher <laughs> before our room started. But um, yeah, I am just, I'm a huge fan of this for multiple reasons. First and foremost is the obvious. I think this doc or this exhortation is um, such a beautiful um, thing a tool and resource for men in today's day and age to have um saint or excuse me <laughs> bishop thomas olmstead uh really breaks everything down to like a very specific like there's multiple very specific topics in here so every man no matter where he is in his journey or his vocation can relate to it um, so that's first and foremost why I love it. Um, and secondly, he gives a lot of like really good, helpful, practical advice and things that men can hold on to and, and remember and and start practicing and implementing in their own lives um, when, when they read this document to be inspired um, to live in a way that, that God is calling them to be um, this good Catholic Christian man in our society, which obviously um, it, we need more of always. So, um, and then thirdly, just the fact that women can have, um, do have a role in, in this. Um, obviously, this this exhortation is is specifically written to and for men, but women can learn a lot from this discussion and this this exhortation as well. Um, obviously, as same with the feminine genius, which Christopher mentioned earlier, which we talked about uh, several weeks ago now in this room. Um, men have a say in that too because we are. Um, we are complementary. Men men complement women and women complement men and we're meant to be partners in this life. So to say that, oh, this document's only for men, so I don't really have an opinion or a say in it. Um, same with talking about the feminine genius topic um, for men. I, that's definitely not true. So I'm glad to see all of you, uh, men and women here today, because this is, this is something for everyone. Um, as far as, you know, examples or, or things from my own life kind of to lay more of a foundation for us um, moving forward in this discussion, I've been very blessed to have a lot of really good examples of um, good Christian Catholic men in my life. Um, of course, my husband would be my <laughs> um, number one example, um, mainly, you know, because his his faith is number one to him and that was one of the that was probably the first thing that um really attracted me on a deeper level to him um you know he was he was a man of, of faith and his catholic faith came first and he has had and has a relationship with christ he was raised in a good catholic home praise god and kept that throughout his um college and young adult 
years and obviously to this day. So that was a huge, um, a huge factor in our relationship, obviously. Um, and to see him step into the role of boyfriend and then fiance and then husband and now father, um, it's just been beautiful to see his faith either change or progress or adapt to that that specific role that he's in um, as we've progressed in our relationship over the years as well. And um, so I'm I'm obviously so grateful for that. Um, I'll forever be indebted to God for giving um, my husband to me because obviously it's it's just uh, the greatest blessing. Um, but also just growing up in general, um, some examples of, of good men um, in my life. Obviously my dad, um, I won't go into crazy detail, but <laughs> I think I've mentioned some of this before in previous rooms, but um, my parents really struggled in their marriage for several years and um, while I loved them dearly, it was really hard to live with them. And um, honestly, over the past probably three-ish years, um, there's been a, a major transformation in their marriage. And a lot of it has to do with my dad. Um, I don't know if he's read this document, but he's read a lot of other things um, that have helped him and uh, is really working on his faith and his health and just he he's always reading a book about the saints or the catholic faith or the history of our church or things like that and um he never used to do any of those things and um you know there was a progression of of why all this happened which i don't need to get into here but just i'm just so grateful because god really can so we're talking a lot about like men in the world and, and needing to step up and, and step into this role that God is calling them to, this this role of, of um, a good Catholic Christian man, this role of fatherhood, whatever it is. Um, but we forget that oftentimes it's some men can be, can take time to step into that role. And same for women. It's the same thing for all of us. You know, it, life is is not always, <laughs> um, the next step for us isn't always obvious and there's a lot of prayer and discernment and help needed and guidance needed that we all have to go through. So when we're talking about this um, topic, you know, I know Bishop Olmsted in this exhortation addresses a lot of these issues in society and the family unit and, and, and masculinity and fatherhood in general. And, and those are very true and very relevant, and we, we see those day in and day out. But also we have to remember that there's great hope that these things can be redeemed. And he does talk about that, of course, as well. Um, but this, the, the bad can be turned into good. The, the hardship can be redeemed through Christ. So um, just wanted to throw that aspect out there as well, that sometimes it's life is hard and, and men and women in whatever stage of life they're in um, can struggle through certain things but have that redemption later. And that's definitely something I saw in my own um, family growing up. So those are just a couple of kind of different examples. Um, and then one other thing I wanted to mention is priests. I don't want to leave them out of this conversation. I don't think we have any priests with us in the room today, but priests are... Um, a huge part of of this this uh, narrative, this topic, this 
um, discussion that we're having. They are spiritual fathers. And I know from my own experience, um, I was blessed enough to go through um, Catholic education. So I attended Catholic school from kindergarten through 12th grade. And um, especially in high school, we had a really uh, young and really great chaplain um, for I think three of the four years I was there. And his, I was able to take a class from him and um, engage in other activities and opportunities outside of school with him. Um, and he was just so involved in the students' lives, and he was such an inspiration for so many of us, um, myself being one of those people. He taught a vocations class that I attended, that I um, took, and um, that honestly probably changed my entire perspective on all of the vocations um, that are available to us. Uh, so it's just, it was, it was so beautiful to have that, um, that in, that uh, influence um, throughout the those very crucial years of my life, um, and then to be able to take that on um, with me into my college and young adult years, just understanding what um, love for Christ actually looks like, understanding what spiritual fatherhood looks like, understanding what a good Catholic Christian man. Um, looks like. Of course, he was a priest, but he, you know, priests model these things so well for us um, and for their congregations and communities. So I uh, just wanted to bring that into the conversation as well. Um, sorry, that was a longer monologue than I wanted, but there are so many things that we could talk about in this conversation. But um, again, I'd invite anyone to come to the stage you would like to share. And then uh, for now, I'll turn it back to you, Christopher. Thank you so much, Erin. And it's it's wonderful to see what a what a great uh, group of men you have been surrounded uh, surrounded by uh, throughout your life. Uh, so this is this is this is the ideal. This is what most uh, most families, households, most people should have. And and men are called to be the spiritual fathers of their household. And and, and there's nothing. Uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with <laughs> with that. that. That's the 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 model that that the Holy Family and, and that and the God uh, presents to us and proposes to us. So back to the question that, that uh, the first question that the document addresses, Into the Bridge addresses, what does it mean to be a Christian man? Well, Bishop Olmsted points us to Christ as the example. Then he goes on to give more examples uh, of, of the, the saints and heroes uh, in the history of the church and when, what they have done. Ultimately, a man is supposed to be, yes, the spiritual uh, head of his household and, uh, and a protector and a provider and, and, and a protector of the dignity of everyone in, in his, starting with his wife and, and his children in his family and a protector uh, to the hearts and souls of his uh, wife and children. And, and the document talks about things like uh, pornography, for example, and all the other dangerous things that are now uh, finding their way into our homes through the computers, through the television, and through all of these uh, handheld devices, uh, including phones that, that our children now have. And parents need to be very, fathers need to be very conscious of this and protect their homes from all of these things. The document goes uh, farther and bishops, bishops suggest 
to men, to Christian men? And this would be a good question to the men here in the room, uh, because Bishop suggests that every man should identify uh, whatever scene uh, it, it's, a, it's a little more challenging in, in his life or whatever virtue uh, comes a little more natural or perhaps we struggle with trying to grow in that virtue and look for a specific saint's intercession that can be helpful with that scene. And, and he gives a list. I'm going to read you the list. It's a very interesting list. Uh, Bishop provides very concrete, practical advice to men through the document. And he says, if you uh, need to grow in trust in God and combat selfishness, go to St. Joseph. Very interesting. This was written uh, over five years ago, about six, seven years ago. So uh, it was it was way before the year of St. Joseph. And then if you need to grow in humility and combat arrogance, go to St. John the Baptist. If you need to adhere, adhere to the truth and fight mediocrity, go to St. Paul. If you need to grow in obedience to God and fight licentiousness and rebelliousness, go to St. Michael the Archangel. So there's, there's an angel in the list. If you need to grow in prayer and devotion to God and fight sloth, go to St. Benedict. If you want to grow in happiness and fight moralism, he says, go to St. Francis of Assisi. To grow in integrity and fight double-mindedness, go to St. Thomas More. To grow in chastity and fight loss, and I would say, I know, as a man, I know, this is a big one for many men. Go to, he suggests, Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassari. To grow in boldness, and fight worldly fear. He, uh, he names my favorite saint, Saint Jose Maria Escriva, and uh, for defending the weak and fight passivity, he says, go to Pope Saint, saint John Paul II. This is a great list, everyone, a great list for uh, all men to, to consider as, uh, as friends. Uh, we all need to have friends in the saints, find friends in the saints and grow in friendship uh, with the saints. Uh, but that is the first question, and this is how Bishop addresses this question, right? So the next question is very interesting. And again, at any point, you're all welcome to jump in. I don't want to monopolize the mic, but I, I definitely have lots to talk about uh, while we wait for you to, to take up the courage and, and join the conversation. And, and this, this is the next question. Uh, how does a Catholic man love? I love this question. How does a Catholic man love? The question should really apply to men and women, right? But to men, it applies in a very specific way. And I remember, I love talking to my children. I, I, I probably bring them up more uh, often than, than anyone might want to hear. But I love talking to them because precisely, precisely because I am able to do for them what was never done for me. I, I'm, a, I'm able to give to them pass on to them this, this treasure of, of our Catholic faith and, 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 and something that I had to discover on my own, especially to my son, which is manhood. And, and I remember telling them, talking to them about love and explaining to them that ultimately love for a man, for a father, is sacrifice. 
if you wanna, if you ever doubt that I love you, I've told this to my children. If you ever doubt that I, that I love you, maybe I'm being a little too strict, too rigid. I might, I might do that sometimes. Uh, if you ever doubt it, try to see the sacrifice in my actions. If you see that I'm trying to sacrifice in any way for you, that is my love. That is how you can see my love. So love is sacrifice. And of course, love himself, Christ, gave us the ultimate example of sacrifice, of his love for us through the ultimate sacrifice in the cross, right? So there, there we have it. That is a very simple question uh, to answer, very, a very simple and straightforward answer. A Catholic man loves by sacrificing for his wife and children or or for his spiritual children right and spiritual wife because the document and you're totally right Aaron the document talks about priests and religious too and, and he uh, Bishop Omset talks about how even those uh, that have a vocation for consecrated life are called to be fathers are called to be spirit spiritual fathers and and we know that to every priest the church is his bride so they have the same calling. It's just man, it's manifested in a, in a different way. And they have the same uh, duty to love by sacrifice, by sacrificing themselves for their bride, the church, and for their spiritual children, right? When we're talking about priests. But it's, it's the same thing for, for men who are called to marriage. The man king that comes home from work, tired from work, and he's waiting for his subjects to serve him. The man king goes and sits in his couch, grabs his uh, TV remote, is waiting for somebody to hand him his beer and for his subjects to be at his calling for whatever he might need. That is the man king. Let me tell you, friends, that Christian men are not called to be that man. The minute we walk into the door, husbands and fathers who are coming home from work, that is when it really counts. If we think we gave it our all at the office or at the workshop or wherever we work, if we gave it our 150% there, the minute we we end our shift and, and we walk through the door of our home, that's when the most important work that we're supposed to be doing starts, which is that of being the servants of our family at the service of our family. What does that mean? That our, our children are not going to do their chores? No. It means that our whole lives should be spent pouring ourselves out to serve and the needs of our family. We come home and we need to see how we can help our, our, our wives at home if, if we happen to have a wife that stays at home or do our part if we are both uh, mom and dad are out working then we come home and, and the man is supposed to do his part as well. And it doesn't end there. There, We need to check on our children and see how they're doing with their school and, and if they need help with their homework and guide them as they learn to pray and pray with them in the morning and, and at night before they go to bed, right? And and talk to them about all of this, everything that's happening in, in the world and all of the different issues that parents need to talk to their children about. But I'm thrilled to see that Kelly has joined the stage and I'd love to to hear your thoughts on this topic, Kelly. I looked at the Telegram um, feed to take a look at the picture that you shared for today, you know, about that image of fatherhood. And I, I love this artist, Mario. 
Um, and this image to me kind of shows that. I mean, if somebody didn't know who those people were in the image, they wouldn't necessarily realize the humility of the man versus the child. But it's funny because even though in that image the role is supposed to be, you know, for St. Joseph to be the father, but he is still putting his child, he's, his hand is guiding that child to the forefront. You know, so he's putting the child in front of him. He himself is important as the father indeed. But I, I think it's it's obvious that, you know, because he's the um, the savior, that he's putting him in front. But also it's that metaphor that, you know, put your children in front of you, show this importance of your children. So I shared another photo in the telegram that is also another image of the Holy Family that I love, and it's, um, it's the scene when they're returning from um, Jerusalem after they found him in the temple. And St. Joseph is carrying Jesus, even though he is, you know, 12 or 13 years old or whatever age he was. And he was, he was still carrying that child. And the Blessed Mother is with them in that picture. And she is also looking on in this endearment, showing this um, image of the family. And, you know, maybe she's looking at St. Joseph with endearment, or maybe she's looking at both of them, but it's that image for us to kind of contemplate and look at and realize, you know, once again, that, you know, we need to lay down our lives for our children as well as for our spouse. It's such a beautiful image, and I really appreciate all of those things that you shared, especially, you know, in this day and age, it's so hard. You know, we have these things that we face as, you know, New, you know, our little families and our communities and bigger, you know, as the church and as these things happen, you know, so big in society and, and we can hang our heads in shame because some priest or bishop did this or that other sort of sinful thing. You know, people act like they're so surprised. But I say, you know, I'm surprised there's not more because of all the things that we're facing that are countercultural to who we are as Catholics and Christians and people in holy families are trying to be in holy families. We're just being bombarded with unholy stuff. So I think that the more that we can share that into the breach and the and the list of saints to turn to when you're facing those different challenges is just such a blessing. And the more that we can share that and live that and be an example of that for others, I think it's just wonderful. So thank you so much for this conversation. My name is Kelly, and I will yield the mic. Thank you so much for that, Kelly. I love. I also love that that image that you shared. And Murillo, you're right. Murillo is my favorite painter. And, and, uh, but the one that you shared, the, the image that you shared, I agree with you. And, and exactly what you commented on is, was the first thought that came to my mind, that in the first image, uh, Jesus is, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a child that probably just not too long ago started to walk. While in the image that you shared, he, he's, a, he, he's a big boy, <laughs> but he's being carried by St. Joseph. There's so much symbol symbolism to that. There's the reality that they were making a long journey. And and in a long journey, I'm sure even a big boy, a 12-year-old boy, 11-year-old boy would get tired. I have an 11-year-old boy <laughs> and I have carried him once from a long hike. So I know that even literally 
this is the case, but symbolically, you're absolutely right, right? Uh, the, the, the husbands, the fathers are there to, uh, they're, they're the protectors of the family. They're, they're there to, to take care of their children. And, and, and I was going through, the, through this, the wrong models that we have today of what it is to be a man or a husband or, or a father. I have another one. I don't have that many. I just have the I have the 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 father king, who sits in his throne and waits for his subjects to take care of him, which is the opposite of what we should have. And then we have this this horrible idea of the man cape, the man cape. Whoever came with that came out with that idea. I don't know, but this idea that a man has the right. Again, probably because he worked so hard all week to come home and seclude himself away from his family to indulge. What what does a man cave looks like? The same thing, a couch and a TV and, and lots of games so that the man can continue to be a boy and seclude himself and indulge in whatever entertaining he wants away from away from the needs of his family. What a horrible concept for men to embrace. That's not what Christian men were supposed to do. That's not what Christian men were supposed to be. Absolutely not. So before, I mean, we're quickly running out of time and, and I don't want to monopolize the, the, the mic, but again, I was, I was part of the, of the team that, that, that uh, advised Bishop on putting this document together. So I know lots about it. And I don't want to um, leave out, I've already mentioned it, but very important. I was recently at, at a, a beautiful Catholic conference in California, and, and this came out in many discussions. And, and priests themselves will tell you, because priests can, can talk about generally, in general terms, they can talk about the common scenes that they see, that they hear during confession, right? They cannot reveal somebody's scene, but they can, they can talk about trends. They surely can do that, and they do it in homeless sometimes. And I, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's a doubt in anybody's mind at this point that the one thing that men struggle with the most is lost. It is lost, at least for the majority. And the one thing that come as, comes up the most, I've heard it from several different uh, people, including religious, is pornography. Is pornography. We don't talk about this. Uh, often enough, but it is a huge problem for men. It truly is an addiction. Loss is one of uh, men's uh, biggest weaknesses. And pornography is one of the, the most dangerous threats to the soul of a man, and through that, to the soul of all of his family, if he's a father and a husband, it can damage, it can do so much damage to marriage, and it can do so much damage in the home. And, and then when you think about the children who now, studies tell us that young boys are learning and, and beginning to consume pornography at the age of 11 or 12, it is the responsibility of man, of every man, every father, not only to protect his own heart and soul from the attacks of the devil that come to our homes, through pornography, but only that of his children. So Christian men need to have that conversation with his sons 
and need to, and we need to make sure that we are monitoring our children's consum consumption of media. Because, listen, it's so funny that, that some of us have gates and, and security systems and cameras, and we do all of these things to pro protect basically our valuables, right? And our family. But uh, also everything we have inside the house, along with the family, but uh, we spend so much money in, in, in protecting our homes. And if we go out, out on vacation, we make sure, sure that the alarm is on. And we have a, a, an insurance policy because if we get robbed, we want to make sure, or even if there's a fire, we want to make sure that we get our money back for everything that we had at home. What are we doing to protect the souls of our children? What are we doing to protect our own souls from the attacks of the devil through pornography? Through pornography that comes now, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be hard pornography. It comes out disguised uh, through our own social media feeds as advertisement, as, as uh, playful sites or pages that we can look at all kinds of things, but, but they, they include uh, images that we know very well. We know very well as Christian men that we shouldn't be looking at. And the only reason we're looking is because of the, the, the ladies on bikini or whatever the case might be. This is, this is a big problem in, in, uh, for men. And this is something that we need to bring out into the open and we need to fight. We need to fight. Bishop Olmsted said it right. This is first and foremost a spiritual battle. This is something that many men struggle with. Many men struggle with. Many good men struggle with. Many good, faithful, practicing, and committed Catholics struggle with. And we need to bring it out to, into the open and 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 continue to fight fight it and encourage one another and look for ways. Now, now there are all of these filters that we can install install in our computers and all of these things that we can do. And we need to set boundaries for our children's consumption of media so that we know what they're doing and we make sure that the devil is not after them or or you know damaging their heart, damaging, staining their souls with these images that will really be uh, printed into our souls. And there, it's very, very difficult to remove them, remove that stain from our memory once it's there. So anyway, at this point, we're, we're coming close to, uh, to a close. Uh, I think it would be a good time for a, for a summary, Erin. I, I don't know if you, do you have anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah, for sure. No, this has been a really good discussion. And thank you, Christopher, you shared so much insight into all of this. Um, one last thing I just wanted to add, and then I'll go into the summary, was, um, you know, that first of all, if you if you haven't read this <laughs> exhortation, hopefully we've convinced you that you should, because it's it's beautiful. It's not it's not very long. You can read it in small small portions if you want um, to break it down. But um, this is such a beautiful e exhortation for obviously men to read, but also women. I invite you to read it as well. Christopher put um, the link to it in our Telegram group so you all have access to it. Um, and we just encourage you to, to read it and, and piece through it and um, implement some of what Bishop Olmsted shares in that um, in your own lives. Um, and then last lastly, I just wanted to say, um, that 
you know, there's obviously two sides of this conversation. There's the com- there's the side of um, not not more negative, but just like there has been a really um, bad impact on society because of the lack of of, of good um, Christian men, good Christian fathers. Um, but there's also the side uh, of men that there's a there are so many good Catholic Christian men in our world. And I don't want us to forget that. Um, I think this conversation can can tend to be um, somewhat more uh, negative than um, other kinds of conversations. But I do want to share that, like I said earlier, there is great hope. There is um, so much positivity surrounding this conversation and this topic. And um, I want to encourage all of the men in the room that, um, you know, you are... Uh, such good examples in our society um, just by nature of of your desire to follow Christ and your desire to be um, a good Catholic person and and to uh, adhere to the Catholic teachings and and all the truths of our church and I just encourage you to um, really find opportunities and ways to live that out in your life Um, because you are the the good Catholic Christian men that I'm talking about and there are a lot of you so I don't want us to forget that Um, And same for you ladies, Um, encourage the men around you um, and be positive in in this kind of conversation because there's a lot of negativity that can often surround it. So just wanted to leave you all with that. Um, But now for the summary, Uh, this was such a great topic and I'm really glad that we had the chance to dive into it. Thank you, Kelly, for coming to this stage and thank you all of Um, those in our audience for just sitting and listening to us. Um, This is obviously a lot to uh, digest and there was a lot of information shared. So at least hopefully this summary can leave you with something um, tangible to take into your week. And then of course our Telegram group, we can continue the conversation there. Um, So Christopher started us off by sharing um, the introduction paragraph or two <laughs> of the this Into the Breach exhortation, um, which, like I said, we've shared for all of you in the Telegram group, so I highly recommend that you go um, and read the whole thing. Um, but yes, we, we shared this, this quote, this excerpt, just to kind of lay uh, the foundation for our conversation. Um, Christopher shared this beautiful definition of of what a a man is. He's the spiritual head of the household. He's a protector and a provider. Um, So much wrapped into all of that, but such a beautiful and simple uh, definition because that it's true. That's exactly what a man is and and is called to to be for um, his family. Um, there was, there's a list of patron saints um, in this exhortation in, into the breach. Um, Christopher read through all of them for us, and uh, perhaps I could take a screenshot of that list just so all of you can at least see it uh, before you have a chance to read the exhortation. But um, this is a really great list, and Christopher, if you didn't talk about it, I was going to, so I'm really glad you read it. Um, but such a great list of just powerful, I mean, all saints are amazing, but like these men like really um, can be related to in a lot of uh, sins that we're trying to avoid and a lot of virtues that we're trying to work on and implement into our lives. So great list and we'll make sure we share that specifically. Um, Christopher, this was another great thing you said. You uh, shared that love for a man is sacrifice and that like 
I learned a lot from that one statement <laughs> because um, it's so true, but it's it's hard um, sometimes for us women to to understand that or relate to it. Obviously, we can we sacrifice, and and that is a form of um, love for us. But men really take that sacrifice to heart, and I I won't go into it, but I there are plenty of examples um, from my own life. Um, for that as well. So thank you for talking about that and also sharing your own perspective and examples because that is such a beautiful statement. Um, you also talked about this this notion of when a man comes home from work, um, instead of, of being that man king, that person who plops himself on the couch and, and wants to be served, um, instead, when men come home from work, they are called to be that servant to their family. And that's when their real work begins or that's when their real work happens. Um, such beautiful imagery and I think we can all um, understand <laughs> the very uh, um, clear dichotomy between those two. So thank you for sharing just the, that difference and, and what, we're, what we're really truly called to be um, is, the, is to serve our families and be those servants. Um, and, and in that time, having dinner with your family, having conversation with your family, praying with your family is so important. And those are things that that can and should happen every evening when um, the father comes home. Um, Kelly, you shared some awesome stuff with us. And I love that image you put in our group. So thank you um, for that. Uh, you, you said that St. Joseph, um, quite literally in, the, in that image that Christopher shared, is putting his child, Jesus, before him. And obviously throughout his life, <laughs> he, that's what he actually did. So this picture is such a beautiful portrayal of that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and then also you said, you know, there are so many things that we face in our world that are unholy. And it's, it's no surprise that so many of these heartbreaking stories... Um, come out about, you know, whatever it is, but um, that is that is negatively impacting our society. And, and you said you're surprised there's not more. And, and honestly, that's a really good perspective to have because there's just so much um, that we face on a daily basis, quite frankly, that is unholy, that we have to turn away from and turn towards something good. So um, thank you for sharing that perspective. And then Christopher, you um, concluded our conversation with sharing that um, in the same way that we protect our homes, we have to protect our children and their souls. And especially in today's day and age, that's through technology. Um, so what are we doing to protect our children's souls? We're probably doing a lot to protect our homes because of course that's important. But what are we doing to protect our children's and our families, our own and our, our spouses, the, all of our souls? Um, something to really think about. And I'm really glad you brought that up. So um, that is everything. Thank you, uh, Christopher, for letting me share. And I'll turn it back to you. Thank you so much for that, Erin. We're um, quickly coming close to the close. So I just want to invite everybody to join us back out uh uh, next week, uh, uh, and please follow me and Erin. I also invite you to keep the conversation going in our Telegram group, where you can you can find the image of the week, find the direct link in Erin's or my profile. Also, don't forget to join the Catholic Professionals Club here on Clubhouse. Join us live on Clubhouse Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific. If you like what you heard today, 
listen to it again or share it to our weekly podcast. You can find it in all platforms. Just look for Catholic Leadership for Civil Society. Remember, this is an invitation to step into the leadership role that God has for us in civil society. Today, the focus was in the family, and that should be an important focus. The, the, the order of priorities should always be God, family, and then whatever our vocation is, our career, our, our professional life is. And, and we must be leaders. There's, there's no longer an option. Because we're Catholics, we must be leaders. Why? Just look at the world. Just look around you. Because if not now, when? And if not us, who? Have a wonderful day and a blessed week. We'll see you next week.